listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 405. My name's Dave, joined as always by my co-host Wayne as we continue our look at the HBO Max series, Be Foreigners. And we're getting to the end of this uh, six-episode mini-series or whatever they're calling it these days. So fortunately, we're getting the series too. But uh, yeah, before we get into that, how's your week been so far? Yeah, it's been, you know, same old, same old, I guess. Uh, well, you know, a little bit back to school today. with actual lot. Yep, yeah. Uh, all the kids that are coming back are, are back now, and so we probably have about um, in two of my classes like ten kids, and then the the journalism class or the publications class are mostly staying virtual. There's a couple kids are coming in. Must be weird looking at a classroom full. Well, not full, but a classroom of masked teenagers. <laughs> Yeah, you know, it's it's funny how you know, you kind of like it's you know, it it it's it's cool like it, it's you know, because it's such a, a step up from before when it was just me and one kid, right? For like a yeah. month. And uh so nothing against her. She's a wonderful kid, but just you know, it's it's to to have the room quote unquote full, you know, with with 10 kids in there. Um, you know, brings a little bit more life, but of course you're, it's still kind of like, we're still doing class like, you know, as if it's all virtual, right? Because half the, well, two thirds of the kids are not in the classroom. They are at home in their computer. And so that really kind of limits what you can do and everything. So, and it'd be interesting to see what happens next year when, I assume they're going to try to get back to normal, but we know that's not likely what's really going to happen. So, right. Anyway. Um, all right. Well, let's not go off on that tangent and uh, we won't go <laughs> off on any sports tangents. Uh, you know, we got a lot to talk about with uh, this episode of be foreigners and, and the way the series is progressing uh, before we go too far though. I want to thank our patrons, uh, Fred from the Netherlands, Tobias, Dan, Richard, Travis, Mark, Cindy, and Mike. Uh, thank you, guys. You know, in the what we're watching, uh, one of them, I think, will surprise you maybe a little bit. But but real quickly, the two shows I'm watching are HBO Max. One is called Possessions, and it is a crime psychological thriller. But the first episode's title is Red Wedding. And mm. when we learn that it's a French girl in Israel for her wedding, I think you know where this is headed. Yeah, um, unfortunately. Yeah, groom has his throat slit at the reception and Lord. off we go. <laughs> and, and and I think the thing about this series that, that my wife and I were saying, because a lot of the times as we're trying to figure out what we're watching, she's using the remote going through stuff and I'm looking it up on IMDb. And while we all know IMDb is not the end-all, be-all, it's relatively accurate. So we're generally looking for shows that are 7.0 and above. Well, this was like 5.6. Okay. And we avoided it for the longest time, but it's really pretty good. I'd certainly give it a 7 at least. So, But the other show is called Made for Love. That's interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about watching that one. Kristen Milioti and Ray Romano. Uh, she's married to this guy named Byron Gogol. <laughs> Obviously, you're supposed to think about Google right. because he's this tech mogul. 
and his next breakthrough is this implanted chip that will allow couples to become even closer by eliminating the emotional and intellectual barriers. And of course, he has it implanted in her without her permission or knowledge. And, and it really is a comedy at its heart. They're only half hour episodes. I think there's only like eight of them. And it's one of those that my wife now, I'm not sure I really like this. I'm like, well, we can watch something else. No, I'd like to watch the next three. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got to the end, and she absolutely loved it. So I, I, I would definitely recommend it. You know, I, I was – I, I, I watched Silicon Valley, and I, and I still need to watch Veep, actually. But I thought this was such a good comedy. I loved it. And then came Run last year. And that kind of show – I'm still a little soured on HBO comedies, though. So when I saw Made for Love was half hour and it was a comedy, I'm like, oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. Run was just such a painful experience. That- well, I would check it out. It, it is clearly a dark comedy. Okay. Uh, and, and certainly uh, commentary on you know, contemporary society, contemporary technology, and our obsession with it. Um, Certainly not in the Black Mirror vein, but um, I, I think it's worth watching. But before I tell you my other show, why don't you go ahead and let us know what you're watching? Okay. Well, just a quick update on The Witcher. I finished finished it up, and I give it a solid meh. Really? It was okay. Yeah. You know, I think the, the, the issues I had with it at first just never went away. Uh you know the the last couple episodes were pretty good, but I don't know. I just it just it like I kept I, I I mentioned before. Like I think like sometimes fantasy shows just go like all in on the fantasy aspects, and I just felt like it was more like ooh these you know crazy monsters and this weird magic stuff that happens, and uh, you know I, I think. A little bit of of a sacrificing of of the the story, so I don't know. You know, will I watch season two? I don't know. I'm gonna have to go back and watch season one, and at which point I'll understand it better and I'll probably enjoy it more. So, um, Yennefer's so, transformation uh, didn't do it for you, huh? You know, that was pretty wild, um, and she was she was cool. She was probably my favorite character in in this in the story. Okay, that's good stuff. And then so uh, I guess plebs we, as well. I guess we can cross that off the list for what we're going to do next. Yeah, I would not be down with doing that next. Okay. No, no. And then um, I, I finished last night the the last episode of Plebs, uh, and that show is hilarious. I would highly recommend that. Uh, it's a quick watch. Uh, I think they like five seasons, uh, half hour episode. Not even they're like twenty three minutes. Uh, even with the IMDb commercials in there, um, just really like some. A lot of times, I, I was just laughing out loud with it. Very clever show, really engaging cast. So liked it a lot. So I also watched two movies uh, quickly. Like the one because it's not like genre, but I just really liked it. Was I don't know. Have you seen the Trial of the Chicago Seven yet? Uh, I have not, and I generally stay away from those type of movies. All right, I, it was it was really good. I remember watching like a like a TV movie about the trial of Chicago Seven when I was like a teenager or something uh, back in the eighties. But uh, this is obviously better than than that. But 
just uh, really great, great performances, uh, a lot, obviously, um, relevant commentary to our, our country today. And then last but not least, a movie that has seemed to have picked up a, a fair amount of, of hate uh, in its young existence. Um, called, the, it was the, the New Mutants. I don't know if you've seen that one yet. It's out on HBO Max now. And you know what? I, I, you know, I get that it wasn't that great. And I certainly get the frustration of X-Men fans who are you know, haven't really had a good X-Men movie in a while now and are getting frustrated. But I kind of thought this was good. The cast was great. Um, Maisie Williams was in it. Uh, Anna Taylor-Joy from The Queen's Gambit. Uh, I can't remember the, the kid's name. He's the, the older brother, Jonathan, uh, Stranger Things. Uh, so the cast was was absolutely brilliant. Uh, you know, the, the, this, maybe the script and all, not always. Um, and they went with like kind of like the horror movie. It really wasn't scary. They were obviously they were strongly influenced by horror movies, but yeah, you know, it wasn't like scary jump scare type stuff. But uh, you know, I actually kind of liked it. I'm glad I, I watched it. And uh, you know, it wasn't the greatest movie I've seen, but it, it uh, by far was not the worst, and it's certainly not even the worst. Um, you know, X-Men movie, which I think that honor uh, definitely goes to uh, X-Men Origins Wolverine. Uh, I don't know. Any, any movie will be... Well, actually, you know what? I think X3... No, I'm going to give it to X3. X3 was probably the worst. Or, oh, I don't know. the That last one. I don't even... I don't even know if I saw the last one. So, Well, anyway. There's been some dogs in the X-Men series, for sure. Um, but uh, I would not put this with one. I put this up toward the upper middle... Of, of of the genre probably put it maybe beneath the wolverine but you know above like the last two x-men movies that came out okay. and x-men origins wolverine and x3 those are the bottom of the heap so i put this above it so anyway okay yeah sounds good that's 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 what i'm going to say about that then okay well the show that i watched the first episode of is alice in borderland nice and and obviously we have to start getting serious about what it is we're going to cover next and you know there have been some suggestions in the facebook group uh, babylon 5 the one of the more recent suggestions alice in borderland was suggested by someone other than you uh fred probably is still holding on to sanctuary as a possibility (laughs) but uh yeah i'm still a little undecided about alice in borderland i mean if that's the way we wanted to end up going i'd be okay with that i nearly quit watching after the first 10 minutes which is the three of those knuckleheads just right. being knuckleheads right 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 but yeah and, i mean that's that's just a little small drip of of it yeah i understand that and, and there's still something about Japanese sensibilities in television and film that I'm just not really that connected to yet. And of course, then, you know, they recognize that, you know, Hey, what the hell just happened? And I'm like, okay, yeah, this is kind of silly. And then I thought, okay, yeah, but it's not silly that people from the Norse age and the stone age are popping up in the, you know, so I kept going and, you know, because we might end up covering it. I mean, who knows? I don't want to go into too many details, but 
my only fear is that it's just going to be the same kind of thing over and over the rest of the way that Dude, they're playing the totally game to survive. Not. Nope. Okay. So that's, no. that's certainly a good thing, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So I'm not sure exactly what I expected, but um, I'll watch episode two and, and go from there. Okay. So anyway, all right, well, let's get on to be foreigners. Cause we've got a lot to talk about with episode five written by Ilef Skodvin directed by Jens lean aired September 11th, 2019. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, certainly we get more reveals this week, and I know at the at the beginning yeah, of reveals our, is a good word for it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, uh, of our run, we were wondering whether it was going to be too heavy on the police procedural, which it still is to a certain extent, but the sci fi elements are really kicking in and are a major yes. part of the story. Um, you know, one thing that occurred to me about Treen, who is now identifying as Ada. The character Ada Lovelace, well, not character, historical figure, was a 19th century mathematician who worked with Charles Babbage on what really has come to be known as the first mechanical computer. So, ironically, she picks a name of a woman, really, who is at the forefront of technology. Right, right, right. Seems to be associating herself with. Uh, you know, an anti-technology group. Well, so. Maybe she's like kind of like Ada Lovelace, like someone who is you know straddles that that uh, that time period from the uh, you know the the you know, from that nineteenth century up into the twentieth century. You know, even though Ada Lovelace was, you know, she died before the long before the twentieth century came around. As you said, uh, um, her math is instrumental in 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 the the technological world of today yeah now the other thing that i wanted to mention you know in in, you know this little opening initial thoughts sequence before we started recording you blanked on the name of the drops that lars is using and he seems to be coming increasingly under the influence of the temproxate more excessive than in the past I mean, are are we going to get an answer as to why he is like this and and how it got started? And I mean, yeah. all we well, know yeah, is he's I mean, we only have one more episode, though. You know, so it's yeah. like, what what things are we get answers to? We know there's a season two, so obviously uh, we assume there's going to be a lot of unanswered questions. Yeah, and I mean, all we know is he wears that brace on his wrist from carpal tunnel or whatever so it's one of those things. i believe they call it mouse arm yeah which is 10 times worse <laughs> well you know dude I, i'm on the computer a hell of a lot and right. uh you know I, i'm fine and, and again after a while i mean he's not on a computer we rarely see him on a computer right yet we never see him without the brace so is it again one of those plot details that they just continue to throw it at us eventually it'll make sense i, I would hope well I, th- but- I think just like with um Madi taking the temproxit they didn't show us it for no reason like there's definitely an I would assume an important reason. Otherwise it's, it's just leading us by the nose, but I I think 
that what the reason he has the 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 wrist uh, guard on or whatever um, is significant. Yeah, but I can't but, imagine how it's significant. But right, and I, we, I think it's going to prove to be. Yeah, and we don't really have a good sense of what temproxate does for his emotional intellectual capabilities i mean is it like any of a number of drugs that people use just to feel good it would seem that way but yep the way that gregor's talks about it's like this horrible thing but you know like when lars takes it he's able to think clearly still he drives around Right after yeah. he takes it, he, he takes it as he's driving. Yeah, like we've wondered this before, like what exactly it it does. Is it kind of like Adderall or something? Is it something that just helps him focus? Or, you know, I, but again, then there, there's the, the, the part of it where this is a drug that they give to the, uh, the, the temporal arrivals, you know, right after they, they come to the modern world. So, you know, obviously there's something physical going on there that the drug is a, a part of. So why is Lars taking this drug? You know, it, you know is Lars from, is he a, a temporal displaced person? He doesn't even know it, right? Well, that could be. Now, granted, we see him in the series opening scene when the first, at least to our knowledge uh, of the time immigrants appear and, but that doesn't mean that he didn't come and doesn't remember uh, whatever um but but yeah i i mean i like your assessment that it, it, it may be something like adderall that helps him focus which then asks the question why would gregor's be so against that but clearly there must be something else to it or else the girls wouldn't have wanted to steal it to go exactly. party with but uh the other thing and we'll get into this a little more when we get to this point in the discussion is the implication that odin is behind these time grations <laughs> <laughs> i mean that dude is wild um so i don't know what to make of him but that's kind of the essence of this episode we don't know what to make of a lot of things starting with the opening scene when the clocks are all showing zeros and this guy we're talking about shows up at lars door trying to preach the benefits of Odin. But clearly, once he drops Alfreder's name, we're not so sure what it is he wants or who he is. I mean, later, he reminds Lars that uh, I was the first guy that came up in the lake, but he just doesn't seem like somebody from a different time period. Right. Well, he doesn't, to me, doesn't seem like anyone, period. Like well, when, you mean from any particular era, you mean? I, I mean any actual physical person other than some kind of figment of Lars's imagination. Oh, I love that. Um, nice. Just cause, and I actually have some, some backup here because, you know, again, this is second, you know, I've watched it a couple times. And, um, you know, when at the beginning, when he leaves, like Lars's neighbor shows up, but the other dude just is like gone. Right. Yeah. True. And, and Lars is going off about him, and 
his neighbor looks at him like, what are you talking? He doesn't say, if he had said something like, what are you talking about? Then I'd be more confirmed in my theory. But it's it's all the stuff that he knows, like all the stuff that he knows, like about Lars, about the case, that there's there's no way he could have got all this information unless either A, he's, an ima- you know, like Lars's imaginary friend, or B, if maybe he actually is someone who has come from Odin and he is a supernatural being. But I don't think he's in any way an actual physical person. Okay. Uh, I love that. And, and again, as you say it, it makes more sense, I think, than a lot of things. I mean, my gosh, if we're accepting the possibility of time travel, well, we can throw a few supernatural elements in there as well. Yeah, sure. But in this opening scene, the, the Neo-Luddites are blamed for you know bringing down the network. And as we get through this episode, we have to then go back and wonder whether this might be the initial salvo in a move to bring down technology because we we get that idea thrown at us a couple of times in this episode that, that that's maybe what's at the heart of, of all of this, which is to tear it down and start over. But Right. Well, uh, my, my question, though, with the Neolites is what is the worst name of a bad guy organization? Neolites or Flag Smashers? Yeah, I go with Flag Smashers. Right, right. You're probably not, you're not watching uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, right? I'm not, no. Right, yeah, okay. So that, that's the bad guys in there. But the, it's, okay. it's just a complete crap. And I know they got the name from the comic books and everything, so it's not like they made it up. But it's still a pretty crap name. Uh, so, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I think Flag Smashers is is worse than Neolites. But Neolites is not good. All right, well, let's talk about Ada, a.k.a. Treen. And, and we learn a lot of truths about her, but the one that's so fascinating is that she was a gamer recruited by the military to fly drones. And she suffered PTSD once she learned the reality of what her missions were all about and and now identifies as Ada rejects technology that she never knew the truth about what her drones were actually doing, which we can, you know, project that well, probably killing people. Yeah. It's been a long, it's been a long time since I read Ender's game, but isn't that kind of what happens there that all the, the kids are playing what they think are war games on computers, but, they come to learn that they've actually been fighting the war. Yeah. Spoilers, by the way. Yeah. Well, I think the, uh, statute of limitations yeah, statute up limita- on, that one. on the Ender's game is definitely run out. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, and then here's my thing, right? I'm like, wait, what? She's a gamer. And then a drone opera, Now, nothing against gamers and drone operators, but she kicked Novin's ass. Like, you know, like, cause when we saw her, we're like, ah, man, maybe she's like military and like, you know, like special forces and stuff. But, but no, she was a drone operator. She's like, like, how did she kick Novin's ass? I've lost so much respect for Novin. Like all the respect I have for him walking around with naked is completely lost with him getting his ass kicked by uh, Ada. Well, well, the only thing I would say about that is that she still probably went through basic training and probably picked up a few tricks along the way but yeah i i, I see where you're headed with that yeah, and, it's a freaking cave man he had to 
fight every day of his life just to stay alive. You know, you think he would have the upper hand as far as hand-to-hand combat. Right. And obviously one of the questions we've been asking is whether or not her trans-temporal shift is legitimate. And given what we learn about her PTSD, which by all indications is real, that, that she was horrified by what it is they had her actually doing and and that that's why she has joined this group but then we go to her storage locker and she's got the file on maddie that we'll you know talk about so the 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 mystery surrounding her really doesn't give us much resolution which i guess is a good thing except like you mentioned before we only got one episode left in this season so probably not expecting any answers but um, you know, still, um, you know, in, in terms of her, though, I, I love the scene when Alfreder's trying to explain to the team what it is she and Lars have found. And, of course, Wanky interrupts again. And once again, Alfreder puts her in her place. Does she not really see the connection between Treen and the murders? Or is she just being deliberately argumentative? I, I, think I would go yeah. with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure she's just, yeah, like, just whatever Alfie there is going to say, she's just going to say the opposite, try to make life miserable for her. Right. And, and fortunately, her boss, Erickson, I, I think he gets it, as I assume everybody except baseball hat guy as, assumes, you know, how useless she really is to solving any crimes and, you know, really doing anything for the team. But, the two of them question the psychologist about Treen, who he says was identifying as Ada, romantic relationship with this 19th century guy named the Doctor. No. Well, maybe Dr. Ann means the Doctor. In, <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, but I don't know. Now, dude, that would be a twist. Yeah, I mean, it seemed more like a cult to me than... Oh, yeah. It was definitely know, a cult. Yeah. I mean, he's got multiple women, one of whom was pregnant. Yeah. And... You know, they're following these Luddite principles, but clearly there's something more there. The doctor sees science as something to be shunned because it makes slaves of us all. Well, obviously, living in 2021, we understand there's an element of truth behind that statement, you know? It's, it's true, but, you know, it's still probably, you know, like if you go back you know, 150 years, then, uh, you know, when you could, lots of people died from minor diseases, uh, not minor nowadays, I guess. And the internet is, it's tough to say that's not a good thing. You know, it's not entirely good. It's not a, it's not a, a, a uh, you know, pure good, but it's, uh, it's pretty nice. Better than when I was in school. We had to like go to libraries to look things up. So, well, yeah, um, you know. But, so, so I, you know, I, I, you know, like the modern world not perfect, but you know, I, I'm not definitely not one of those people who, who think that the past was better. I think the the past was at least just as crappy as modern times, just crappier differently. You know. Well, right, and then that comment that he makes, I believe God sent us here to save modern man from perdition. So, as I said a few minutes ago, is that where we're headed here? Is you know, once we pull back the curtains and find out what really is at play here, is that what this is all about? 
tearing it all down to start again. So they're they're throwing a lot of these clues out at us. Uh, you know whether that's going to be what actually happens. Um, you know who really knows, well, but. Yeah, well, the question also is, is this finally the big bad, right? Because, you know, we thought at first it was Navin, and then, what's that other dude, HC or something like that. So, you know, we kind of like our work our way up. So there's always, you know, then Ada, you know, but she's not the big bad. There's always, there's, uh, there's been this person who we haven't really known who it was who's been kind of like running the show, you know? Um, and is this the guy? Is this the doctorand? Is he, is he the guy who, who's kind of pulling the strings? You know, I can kind of even see Ada eventually coming to work with Lars and Alfeder as things transpire and her eyes are opened even more than they've been to this point. But, you know, they, they go to track down the storage locker that she's got and they find that file with Maddie's condition in it and and go to visit her at home and and we're going to talk a little bit about maddie's condition in the uh, listener feedback section because there there's uh you know something i want to bring up there but that meeting they have with her at her uh her home goes kind of uh I, i mean certainly not what they expected she starts speaking in as Alfeder says, well, that's my language. And she's able to translate, and it's just a series of numbers. And, of course, you know, the whole idea of a series of seemingly don't, random numbers. Don't say it. Don't say it, Dave. I, w- I won't say it. But it has four <laughs> letters in it. And the second one's O, but I won't say it. Um, but, obviously, it, it adds to the mystery and we wonder whether or not they're going to figure out what these numbers mean and and of course they do eventually or or lars does with the help of his imaginary right. friend I, i'm really or, buying or into not that. yeah I mean, it's, that's my theory yeah i'm liking it so <laughs> yeah well, um, right I, I forgot about the numbers right like all of a sudden like this dude just says oh well here's the numbers <laughs> you know or does it make more sense that this is rattling around in in Lars's brain and he finally figures it out well you know Maddie says they were written on the wall which is vague while at the same time being specific so whatever that wall means we don't know but Alfeder's reaction is that she's possessed by an evil spirit and the thing I love about that is that she's serious because Mm -hmm. she retains some of her prior belief system as a fallback when nothing else makes sense and for all of her abilities to assimilate into 21st century life there are still these hints to her past that she hasn't quite gotten over yet so i think it's easy to see that comment about an evil spirit as you know kind of a joke but i don't think it is at all i think she's completely serious oh yeah Oh, she, she's serious. Uh, absolutely. I know for us as the audience, we might laugh a little bit about it, but, uh, but yeah, she's totally serious. Okay. But let's go and talk about this guy that, that we've referred to several times that, that shows up at Lars home. And at this point, the guy's already inside his house. Right. Reminds Lars that, you know, you found me when I arrived, we are free men from Viking from Olaf the Stout's flock. I just want to help. 
and recognizes the numbers, recognizes that, oh, it's just missing the first two digits, which then Lars figures out, oh, GPS coordinates and location of a time hole. That's what connects everything. So again, one of the big reveals, you know, we've certainly speculated that, that that's what's happening out in that lake, that you know, whether or not these people keep appearing at the same points in the water, we really haven't heard yet, but it's starting to seem like maybe that is in fact the case. Mm-hmm. Then he says he works for Odin. Really? Yeah, really. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. This the, you, what you've never met someone who didn't work for who worked for Odin before. What? What's up? Yeah, and you know that's again not not to go off on a Vikings tangent, but that was one of the things about Vikings that I loved because at the the heart of it was a historical drama, and then they would throw in those supernatural elements. Maybe not each week, but often enough that. Yeah, well, you know, maybe it is this, and right. So, well, yeah, especially with uh, the the Odin character, who kind of like, you know, what was that? Yeah, I can't remember what what season it was, but ah, you know. uh, yeah, and the seer, of course, right, who appeared in the last couple seasons, even though I think he was killed in season three. So, <laughs> um, well, somebody that wasn't killed, but because of the person he did kill back in his past. The return of Tor Hund is again another one of those fascinating characters, and I love our first view of him in this episode. He's taking his kid to kindergarten. Yeah, this fierce warrior, and yeah. and, and this is his life now. And and it's not his life because he's trying to hide. I mean, his past is coming back to him slowly, and and I think by all indications, he wishes it it wouldn't. He gets back to the office, and we've said there's not a lot of humor in Be Foreigners, but he gets back to the office, and everybody's huddled around the computer because now the stories are, are coming up about who he really is, and he's called into the office. Murdering saints isn't compatible with foodie's values. Turn <laughs> yeah, in your uniform. But, but you well, know, the, well, the, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say the critical line when she says, I had no choice. A commander always has a choice. And you wonder whether that's going to be the catalyst for him now to really do what Erd has been urging him to do, which is to reclaim your identity. Mm -hmm. Now, then what? We don't know. But. Right. There's not not necessarily a lot of, uh, you know, job opportunities for Viking warlords who uh, have slew the patron saint of Norway. So, you know. Yeah, and then of course my wife comes in. And she was in the other room, and and it's you know all the people are chanting, and she's like, "Well, what are they all chanting?" I'm like, "Saint Murderer," and then she's like, "Well, what is that?" I'm like, oh, God. "You know, you come in the middle." And the... No, I'm not explaining Stop. five yeah. episodes to you. Well, uh, yeah, there's a couple things here. First of all, the the boss lights a cigarette inside, and that was that was almost kind of shocking to see that. Like, I'm like, "Wait, what?" In 2021, no question. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. And, uh, and then like, he is just such a boss as he just takes the shirt off and just walks out bare chested with all his scars showing. And it's just like that, that's how you leave a job, man. That's how you do it right there. You know, um, that, 
that he is a you know a, a man like despite you know his I guess you'd say his his I'd not gonna say fall from grace but you know, just like the fact that he is no longer the 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 great man that he once was as far as leader of 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 a bunch of people and stuff but he still has that you know we see in that scene the the characteristics that made him that type of person that 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 dignity and that pride that he carries out with himself thought it was super cool yeah and you got to give her credit because she now realizes who it is works for her and she's calling him into the office and telling him he's fired not really knowing how he's going to react so give her some props for that sure but the other reveal we get and and we kind of thought that erd and tommy had something romantic in the past which clearly they did although he says you and i loved each other when times were simple and i was a big shot you were beautiful and i was a big shot like okay yeah okay that's probably not the way you should have worded it but uh um, she's still beautiful yeah right but apparently he he also had a thing with alfeder who is clearly over it that's you know whatever so uh, I guess he was a big shot if they if he had them both. But uh, yeah. his relationship with his wife is fascinating because he clearly loves her for real. There's nothing, you know, false. I think about that, and I love the fact that once his wife learns what he's about to do, she calls Erd, even though look, she's got a sense, right? Something about her husband and Erd yet she's willing to do that, you know, for the man she loves. And, and of course they, I don't, I don't know that they help him, but they're at least there to support him if, if he needs them to. And, and of course he's gone to an underground fight and he's taking on a guy that clearly has abandoned the Norse gods and accepted Christianity. He's got a big, cross tattooed on his chest the opening scene he puts his little cross down next to him but who's the chubby dude in the glasses yeah that that we saw at the demonstration outside of tommy's apartment and now he's at the fight and dude looks like he's about ready to explode when he thinks that tommy's going to lose and then, yeah. uh, obviously, circumstances turn, but what's his deal? I I don't know. He's way too into this fight, though. He's, he, he is very stalkery, too. Well, yeah, and he's way too visible to yeah. not have some well, Right, he's, he's got, like, a, a white shirt on. Everyone else has uh, dark clothes on and everything. So he sticks out. Uh, the camera finds him in both the uh, the protests outside Torre's uh, house and and then the fight and clearly the guy that was supposed to win the fight has not seen game of thrones yet because uh you know yeah. he, he doesn't finish the job and tommy gets his act together and yeah, wins the Prince fight and just <sighs> r.i.p yeah. over in martel uh, favorite character right. right and then erd of course looks jealous and, and she looks hurt that he goes to his wife what rather than her i mean i'm not sure what erd expects but i guess we could perhaps excuse some of it 
that she's dealing with a lot in her life, i.e. the cancer. So still not sure exactly, uh, you know, what, what it is she expects. But Well, I think she, you know, is expecting that he's now reconnected with his inner warrior. And so now he's going to just, things are going to go back to, you know, I think she just wants things to be back like the way they were, you know, like she's still, she, she hasn't taken on modern dress. You know, I mean, she does carry a cell phone now. So there are some, she makes some concessions to the modern world, but you know, you just get this feeling that Erd just wants things to be like they were before. And she's thinking probably that if uh, Torre uh, gets in a fight and, and, no matter what, just if he gets to a fight, that he'll he'll return to the the warrior that he once was, and and everything. But no, he he's got a life. He's, he's trying to tell everyone who will listen. You know, I have a life now. I'm not that guy anymore, and I have a wife and a daughter now. And he, like you said, he clearly loves his wife. I mean, maybe before he thought he might just be with her. Um, to you know, to uh, for housing, maybe she supports him because she's got a job. Well, we don't know, but you know, we're you know beyond any doubt at all in this episode is that you know he's he's with her out of a, a you know genuine sense of love. Now, Alfieder and Lars, I think we could argue that they are teetering on the precipice and and about to fall over is certainly Lars but what'd you think about the confrontation in the parking garage between yeah. Wenke and Alfeder yeah it was obviously very funny and and Venke is I mean she's you know a, a, a you know, as as a person obviously if we knew this person in real life we think she's a horrible person but you have to admit it was pretty funny that, you know like she was like how long she was taking to get oh, deliberately. And everything, yeah, and, and how she's just messing with Alfie there, and then of course, you know, we—I mean, you should have known she was going to come in in a neck brace, right? Like that's just such a such a trope. Um, well, yeah. Well, the other one I loved is after she smashes into the back. Of course, Lars, who's walking to meet her at the car, hears the the crash and runs down. Alfreder's gotten out of the car, and the two look at each other, and she just holds her hands up in the air like. It wasn't me. I don't know Whoops. what happened. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just like a like a like a little kid would do. Yeah, and and again, it's just so many of these little nuances about her that she didn't realize that. Well, you know, this is going to get investigated the same way the gun going off. Yeah, got investigated, and even though Lars supports her in the brief investigation into the accident, which of course doesn't uh, surprise us. Um, you know that that little exchange between the two where where she says well whose side are you on and he's like whoever can rise above it right because he realized that she's she's got to take that next step emotionally yeah. right and, right and, and that just because someone pisses you off you don't go ramming into the back of their car and fortunately the chief who who was the the woman and her boss Erickson still realize what they have in Alphador and Lars as a team. So they're seemingly willing to, to overlook a lot of this stuff. In fact, she says, look, keep the investigation going and get your team under control. Right. I'm not going to do anything, but 
I especially love when they're in the meeting there and, and Alfidir is like looking at Venche and she's like looking very sympathetic and oh you poor dear and just like oh my god is she laying it on thick it was just uh, so funny just the faces she was making in there you know obviously completely inauthentic you know but very very funny and then of course Lars has got to deal with Gregor's which again I guess that scene is in there just to show how close Lars is to again I don't want to exaggerate and, and say rock bottom because he's clearly functioning yeah but I don't know if rock bottom is not appropriate though Dave I think you might have to actually have a you know a good way of putting it you know um, and, and make and maybe he even realizes that about himself because he doesn't really argue with Gregor's over Gregor's refusal to let Ingrid go with him even though it is his weekend you are a lesser man than I thought, he tells Lars. And then, of course, he fights back. Yeah, well, you, you stole my family to deal with the loss of your son, which may or may not be true. You know, That's a cheap shot, though. It, it was a cheap shot, but at least he didn't, you know, smash the door in or, you know. Right. Run That's his true. car in. Well, you well. know, Lars is, Lars is reeling here, man, you know, like, and like out of all the interactions with Gregor's, uh with his boss later like does does not anyone think that he needs help right like i mean he's you know like we, why why is the reaction to like to i i mean i get like he's he's doing drugs on the job but why is the reaction that he gets fired i think i don't know about norway but certainly in america i think the first step would be all right let's get this person some help right and well well, ironically therapy and ironically the only one that really knows he needs help is alfeder and i guess we could argue that while she might know what she needs to do it's just again it's just maybe not in her psyche to to do what needs to be done to help her partner i mean she she certainly helps him in other ways but we get that brief use of some dramatic irony when he goes in and we know, even though we don't see it, we know he's going to admit that the temproxate you found in the patrol car is mine, not hers. So she's off the hook. And then when they cross paths, she's pissed because he wasn't at her hearing. You're my only friend here and you can't even set an alarm for me. Yeah, well, I told him it was mine. I resigned Oh, as if that makes it okay. Which, okay, it's better than not doing what you did, but it's, right. it, it's not okay. And well, yeah, you know, I mean, we just see how how how. I mean, he he wakes up in the morning. There's there's the the empty vials all over the place, right? Uh, he's keeping one in the car, in the car, in the squad car. You know, like he's just he he's just reeling, and and it, I, I think it kind of goes back to what we we're talking about at the beginning: is what is with this drug? Like, why is he taking it? you know what does it do to him because you know like if we look at him he he is walking and talking and and behaving as normal it doesn't seem like you know he's he's not going in and telling his bosses to f off he's not you know whipping his junk out in the office or um you know getting in the car wrecks or any crazy behavior uh, on the outside his behavior just seems perfectly normal but it's just he's taking this drug like almost all the time and his, and his his use is 
you know, increasing exponentially. Now, speaking of whipping out his junk, um, Eric, I, I, we've been calling him Eric from. I know, uh, I know, it's not his name, but just yeah. he just he's just Eric. Yeah, so he <laughs> sends Alfeder a dick pic and asks basically for a booty call. And okay, fine, you know, we could say, oh, well, this shows that she's going down. No, look, she's a perfectly competent young woman who can kick Eric's ass if she needs to. But they grow to her trailer for sex. And, you know, Fred mentions some things about that in his feedback. But I think the key takeaway is obviously as she's sleeping, he takes a strand of her hair and puts it in a baggie. Well, what the hell is that all about? Yeah. Well, I mean, what is that about? I don't know. That's crazy. I mean, we would, we would think it's to examine her DNA, but what's that going to tell him? I, I mean, know. I don't know what else you do with a strand of hair. Maybe he wants uh, to make sure she's not like his you know distant grandmother or something oh i guess i guess (laughs) um you know the last thing that i want to bring up with erd's cancer is that scene where she goes to a drop-in shaman which of course you've probably seen like i have a palm reader just like right down route 140 from my house i don't know if you've ever seen it yeah yeah okay i've never gone but we assume this woman's going to be some sort of a charlatan but she seems to be the real deal and I'm making air quotes, but um, she seems to be a Viking era person, at, at least for whatever reason, Erd trusts her, asks her to chase away her cancer. And the woman says, I can't do that. Takes her blood and tastes her blood. And of course, you know, <sighs> life is a maze. You must find your way out. And, I, I think on the one hand, it speaks to Erd's desperation here, but that final thing she tells her, follow the dog and you'll find your way out. Well, okay. First of all, the maze, well, I guess we're still in, yeah. in, uh, in Westworld, Westworld when it yeah, comes yeah. to uh, mazes. Uh, so yeah. I don't and that's, know. Uh, that's unfortunate. I, you know, I, I, I can't say, I don't know how popular Westworld is in Norway. I would hope that maybe not so much because that line is just a complete ripoff, if so, right? Yeah, I would think. I mean, life is a maze, so where's the exit? And, and, yeah, and that's, that's like the whole point of Westworld for crying out loud, you know? Like, right, come on. right. So I, I'm guessing, not to go off on a tangent there, I agree with you, but my guess would be it's probably very popular in, in Norway. Yeah, and, I just and don't want we, it to be like this, you know, we're just copying off another show type thing yeah now i don't think it was meant to be a throwaway scene but it really was quick there was a guy reading a book on a bench and the book he was reading time is a one-way street why you can't go back and we've talked about the idea that's being propagated is that you can only go forward in time you can't go back and i I think he's reading a book in english too Right. And I think we're establishing the fact that, well, maybe you can go back. But anyway, that's all I got. Uh, anything you want to um, Oh, well, just uh, Ada tried to run in her dress was kind of funny. And that was funny. Again, sad that two police officers let her get away. But she is one slippery person, man. She is, yeah. She's very resourceful. Yep. So. Oh, the doctorant yeah. just puts his hand into the hive of the, the beehive and the bees just leave him alone and then as soon as he closes the hive up the bees come back what's up with that 
Yeah, I don't know. That's crazy. That is crazy. I'll have to ask my niece. She keeps bees. Yeah, I mean, I know. Like, you know, like they just, I, know. I think they made a point of showing that as soon as he walks away, the bees return. But when he was there, no bees. He was able to just shove his hand in and grab some honey out of the hive. So again, maybe that's a thing. I don't know. Yeah, is is the dog, is that Torre Hund? You know, is that him? Is he the dog that she has to follow? Okay. Yeah. I like that as a possibility. Yeah, I think that's about it. All right, well, why don't we get to listener feedback? And, you know, before we listen to Fred's audio feedback, you know, we, we've mentioned that we're going to, from time to time, read Facebook posts. And Ben Mason threw one in this week that I think is, is really relevant. Now, he's commenting about episode 104, uh, our podcast about that. And he says, hi, Dave and Wayne. I'm in the middle of this podcast, but have to stop and comment. I think you're missing a few key details about Maddie and the time anomalies. Impossible. In the quarantine tense, she mentioned her teeth are rotting. The severe discoloration, crooked and rotting teeth wouldn't happen over a short period of time. That's the condition of teeth I would expect from someone who's lived their entire lives in that time period prior to modern dental hygiene. I think they're trying to clue us in to the idea that the body that came back has grown up in the Viking era and experienced a full life. But those memories are repressed and hidden like they were for Tor Hund. This is also evidenced by the flashback to the burning cross when she sees her cross necklace. I think kneeling and praying the Lord's Prayer might be some repressed ritual from the Viking days since modern hedonistic Maddie doesn't seem particularly religious. Could this be setting up a modern-day reenactment of the Christian Viking wars since we're seeing people from both sides? Unlikely, since I don't see similar patterns with Stone Age and Victorian time migrants. Ben, you got some great stuff here, and I don't remember exactly what we said about Maddie's teeth in that episode, but but I do know, I'm pretty confident that, that we said the problem with that as it stands is that why did her teeth age like that, but her body didn't? So. Right. Yeah, the the the, the Madi that that comes out of the water is you know I mean she's she looks the basically the very the exact same age that she was when she went in. Right. So I agree that the teeth appear to be the teeth of I don't even want to say a teenager from the Viking era. I, I would think it's almost somebody that lived a, a, a long right. full life. Yeah, I mean, yeah, to get teeth like that, it doesn't. Well, that, and I think I, I feel like maybe we said something about that because you know, like, I mean, he's he's absolutely right that you don't get teeth like that from just you know, like quickly. You know right. that that's some that, those are some years put in there, but she doesn't look like she's aged years. So, um, but I think both of those things are, are obviously relevant. You know, and the the fact that they. You know, even when Lars opens up the um, her file in the storage unit, there's you know a big picture of her teeth in there. So obviously the teeth are, are very significant to you know what is going just what is going on. Period with the uh, the migrants coming here and everything. Right, and, and the fact that it it does now appear to be evidence that you can travel back in time. And we still haven't heard 
about her experiences in that time period, if in fact that's what happened, which all evidence would point to that being the case. But the thing that is so fascinating about Ben's post here is then when he gets into whether or not this could be setting up a modern day Christian Viking war. And even though he says he thinks that's unlikely, I disagree. I, I, I really, you know, think we need to tie that into that whole idea about is this plan to tear down the society that has become dependent on technology so that we can start over you know yes that that certainly seems to be the case but by the same token i i don't think we should discount that and and just because we haven't really seen anything with the stone age and the victorians yet doesn't mean we won't so uh, uh anyway ben great post um a lot to think about for sure yeah yeah that was really good all right well, let's hear what fred's got for us and we'll come right back to talk about it hello dave and wayne and all listeners to sci-fi tv rewatch this is fred from the netherlands with some feedback for before us season one episode five as said in the previous podcast currently also watching firefly dark angel season two and birds of prey So far you were alternating your podcast about Firefly and Dark Angel, but you doubted whether you kept that on. And indeed, now I am at episode 6 of both series and you stopped alternating it. So first you did Firefly and then you did Dark Angel. I like the alternating system and perhaps I will keep doing that because now I have that possibility of course. And actually alternating all three of them. So watching episode 6 of Dark Angel, then episode 6 of Firefly, and then episode 6 of Birds of Prey, etc. And I like that. And in between, a little bit of Sanctuary. All four good series, all four around 20 years old. One of the episodes of Bird of Prey was Three Birds and a Baby. And that's about a guy that... They encounter as a baby, but he ages very quickly. And you were saying something like that that is a a nice concept and you don't see that so often. But of course, we saw that in Stargate SG-1, where Jack O'Neill in the episode Hathor aged very rapidly. And just after you did these podcastings, 2014-15, we started with Killjoys. And of course, we have in Killjoys also a child that ages very quickly. And I know, Dave, that you are an Ashley Scott fan and it's funny to watch Birds of Prey and the second season of Dark Angel simultaneously because she is in both. Same is true for Amanda Tapping, seeing her in Sanctuary as well as in Stargate SG-1 because I'm watching that also further than the season one you podcasted about. Okay, let's go into Be Foreigners episode 5. I really felt pity for Tommy or Tora Hunt. I think his crime is long overdue in the sense of time barred. He wants to live a normal life, a quiet life, and is actually forced into his old role because of these kinds of decisions. It's fantastic that he says when he leaves to his foodie boss, a commander always has a choice. After she said uh, that she felt pity for him, um, but that she has no choice. Very funny was, of course, the whole interaction with Ventje, with the problems in the 
parking garage and later on at uh, Harold's office, etc. And she with this uh, neck brace, etc. Uh, really well played. Lars's story I don't find that appealing because he is using more and more of these eye drugs. And I don't know why his usage is increasing so much. Is this just addiction or does something else play a role? It destroys his life. On the other hand, he goes on with his investigations. Whether they can reinstate him as a police officer is of course a big question. And I really wonder how they will solve this or how the series will go on then with him out of his police job. Later we get the sex scene with this little bit creepy colleague Jeppe and Alf Hilder. We get a little bit of Alf Hilder nudity. Of course we knew she was not a big breasted woman. I think it's very nice of this series that they also use her in, uh, well, a little bit of nudity. People come in shapes and forms and everything is okay. And I think they respect that here. And they don't only put bigger breasted people nude in, in the series. I think this is, a, this, this is a good choice. And a good choice in not in the sense of nudity, but in the sense of equality. Okay, that was all for now. Greetings, all the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Looking forward to what you are going to do after Beforeners. P.S. I have to confess something. After 170 podcasts or more, I have to confess that I didn't know what lacrosse was. I always heard you talking about it and I thought it was just another name for a kind of hockey. But now I really looked it up and now I know what it is. It's not a game that is played in the Netherlands at all. Although when I was looking for it, I saw that at some universities, they're looking for awkward or unusual sports. And there are some universities where they play it, but that's the only spot where it is and it's not known. Okay, so far, my confession. Greets, Fred. Now, um, I I love the alternating show method of watching shows. Uh, You know, I do that some myself, but I I rarely am watching TV the way Fred does. And and we've mentioned before, Fred has has posted his list of shows that are in his queue, whether it's watching several a week of a particular show, one a month, you know, whatever. Um, yeah, I like the alternating show way he, he's on episode six, he says in, in each of those three shows, but I will say I prefer both Ashley Scott and Amanda tapping as brunettes rather than blondes, <laughs> but you know, whatever. All right. <laughs> now he brings up Tommy and the fixation that people seem to have on the fact that he murdered a saint. And Fred brings up, well, isn't the statute of limitations up on, on yeah, that crime? I think, think so. Well, I mean, you know, he's a patron saint of Norway, though. So, I mean, but even like, you know, when I, when I talked about St. Olaf a couple episodes ago, I mean, one of the things that, and, and again, I, not that I did any deep research, but it seems like a lot of the things I found said that this guy was not really a great guy. Like as far as like, he, he wasn't a typical Christian. He was a warrior. He, he, he converted people at, at the edge of a sword. It seems like I, 
again, I'm not a historian, and I could be wrong, but from what I read, it seems like there's a lot of a lot of questioning as to Olaf, and I don't want to you know annoy and, and insult all our Norwegian uh, uh, listeners, so I'll, I'll kind of stop there. But I'm just saying that that definitely, while on the one hand, like sure that happened a long time ago, but you know, I guess. I'm trying to think what could be a comparable thing. Like if uh, if all of a sudden the guy who shot JFK was, you know, we found out was 30 years old and living in the U.S. today uh, because of a time displacement, people would probably be still pretty pissed at him. Not well, to that compare was, that JFK. That was Ted Cruz's to father, Lord. wasn't it? Um, yeah, or, or Woody Harrelson's, I think. Something like one of those two. Now, the other thing Fred brings up is the idea about lacrosse that that we've talked about it from time to time on the podcast probably more often than time to time and he didn't know what lacrosse was so i fred doesn't mention whether he went on to youtube to actually you know watch a few minutes of a lacrosse game or not but you know the interesting thing that I, i guess a lot of people may not know is that even in the u.s it's concentrated in specific geographic areas of the country and we just happen to live in one of the hotbeds for lacrosse And, and obviously, you know, much more than I do, but, but certainly in the Maryland area, in the New York area, particularly Long Island, uh, I guess Colorado now has gotten pretty big for lacrosse. Yeah. Well, lacrosse is definitely spreading and and you see kids in D1 programs from California, Texas, Colorado, Seattle, which was unheard of. Even 10 years ago, I'd say, certainly 20 years ago. So the sport's definitely growing. But, it, you know, th- there's actually this line in um, in Letterkenny where the, the hockey players bemoan um, all the American teams used to come up and play them because they say they'd have this all-star team. They'd have, like, a defenseman from Boston and forwards from Minnesota and, you know, a, a goalie from North Dakota – and they come up there, and they're like, they had the best players in their country. We had the best players in our county, you know. Um, and I always felt like that when we we'd go to these tournaments. We play like Team Minnesota, and you know we're playing like you know, or like Team Carolina, and we're playing like the the best kids uh, from like pretty much the entire state. And um, you know, whereas in Baltimore, there's there's teams. Uh, you know, bumping up against each other all over the place, especially in the Baltimore area. Um, but that being said, it's it's great to to see the the growth of the game and, and how it is uh, becoming more popular in other places of the country. But there's still no doubt that there, that uh, the the Baltimore, Long Island, Boston, uh, Syracuse. Kind of, well, I guess New England rather than Boston, but you know, as kind of the the Northeast as being really, um, you know, the the where the the there's the most density of of lacrosse players and everything. So, um, I actually looked up uh, the Norwegian, not sorry, Norwegian, the Dutch um, national team. Uh, the Netherlands actually does have a national uh, men's and women's lacrosse team. Uh, that have competed the last time in 2014, it looks like, the men's team competed at the, the World Games. So um, and it's always like the the other uh, 
like there's a bunch of countries that compete in the world games and uh, a lot of them like Belgium and Germany and Ireland and Japan and um, Israel and everything. And of course they are, have a, a pretty, you know, a significant amount of Americans uh, on, on their rosters and everything, um, which is always kind of cool. In fact, if, um, I believe it, for Germany uh, four years ago, I think there was a, a kid who went to, Canisius, where I graduate, where I played, graduate from, was playing for the the German national team, I believe. So, anyway, it's a it's a great sport. Check it out, Fred. Uh, look at YouTube. Uh, I would from this year, I would you know pull up like the um, I think the Notre Dame Duke game uh, was a really good game. So maybe if you want to check out a, a pretty good example of the sport, that'd be a good place to start. Cool. All right. Uh, anything you want to mention about Fred's feedback before we? Uh... Yeah. Other than me agree. talking for about ten minutes about lacrosse and the sci-fi TV rewatch podcast, yeah, no, okay. I'm good. <laughs> okay, um, I'm going A minus again. I, I really thought this was a good episode. I'm comfortable with the A minus. Okay, all right, it was good. Um, all right, well, uh, we're not going to talk about it right now, but obviously we've got a, some thinking to do about what we're going to cover next, and uh, you know, we'll let you guys know or. We won't. No, we will, of course. <laughs> just might take us a while. We'll just, we'll just start uh, talking about something. You'll be like, what are they talking about? <laughs> yeah, who the hell knows? But uh, all right, this is a good place to get out of here, and that will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about Be Foreigners, what we should be doing next. If you haven't joined the Facebook group, get in there. Let us know what you think about this episode, the way Ben did this week. Uh, tell us what you're watching in genre TV. Feedback can go to sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. We'll be back next week to talk about episode six, the season finale of the HBO Max series, Be Foreigners. But until then... You know, Dave, you can just stop asking. Uh, I told you... If I told you once, I told you a million times that I don't want to be one of your guru groupies. <laughs>